Well, it might be the winter months, but we might be thinking about heading to warmer climates and a seaside break. We always need to be conscious of beach safety. So I thought I'd get an old mate of mine, Craig Reddington, who's an ex-Ironman champ, surf life-saving legend, who runs national courses on how to read the ocean. Basic surf tips. So Craig's coming in and chatting about how to be safe for you and the family on your next beachside holiday. And then Angus Rain, the executive chairman from Angus Rain, is coming in and talking about how to keep the peace if you're sharing a family holiday home. Now, make sure you listen to this, particularly if you've got a a holiday home you share with extended family, how to keep everyone happy. That's worth a listen. Now, don't forget to download the ACAST app so you can watch along all the important photos Craig is going to put up on how to read the ocean, some tips on how to move out through the surf, basic body surfing techniques. Craig has got all the photos and we're going to put those up on the ACAST app. So you need to subscribe to the ACAST app. Hey, listen, don't forget to talk to your friends and tell them about better ideas. This is an important channel, Beach Safety. Well, who doesn't love a coastal getaway, whether it be summer or winter? Now, this next discussion truly could save your life or one of your family's lives. With me is one of the most decorated surf lifesavers of all time, Craig Reddington, who has made a career about trying to educate people on the importance of coastal awareness. Now, Craig, this must frustrate you, a man growing up on the ocean in a nation where we love the beach and so many people aren't educated on some of the basics of reading the surf. What are you coming across? A number of things. It's it's not just reading the surf. It's the, the ability of, of kids and families these days of just be able, being able to handle the water. We're seeing in our multicultural societies that it's not a, a real important thing to get, get water safe, to do swimming lessons, understand how the beach works or so, so forth. Hence, that's, that's the reason why we originally started the business, business of surf education in schools, that that was a way to hit a target market and be able to get messages to a lot of people. A family going away on a holiday on a coastal location, whether they be so-called surf-aware, I mean, a lot of families visit the beach all the time, or let alone not being self-aware, what would you be doing with someone your experience turning up at a foreign beach? What would Craig Reddington do before you went into the water? Well, it's interesting you say that because I, even when my kids were growing up, you know, I was so overcautious with them and I look at families who have got no surf or swimming ability and just, just so relaxed in, a, in an environment that could potentially be a killer. You, you need to understand what beach you're going to. Is it patrolled? Are there lifeguards around or surf lifesavers on duty? If you're going to take the risks where you are going to swim outside the flags, and let's face it, 9% of our beaches haven't got swimming flags. So in the next holidays, you, you'll drive 400 kilometres, you won't find a set of swimming flags. So people are going to go swimming. Yes, we can harp on the swim between the flags, but we know they're not going to go swimming. So in the flag. So we have to educate people on how to identify the safe and dangerous areas of the beach. And if they do get into trouble, what to do. Simple messages. We don't want to overcomplicate messages for different people. The important thing is waves come in on a shallow sandbank and hence we've got shallow water with the water coming towards the shore. So if you see a nice long stretch of uh, waves coming to the beach, that's a safe area. Whereas people perceive that as a dangerous area. They don't like the waves. So they'll move over to the area where that the air is blue, other waves aren't breaking, and, and that's the water moving out off the beach. It's not moving out to sea, that's a myth. It's moving off the beach. And so people have fallen, gone from shallow water into deep water. Most of our population, I would say, are non-swimmers, so they get in a situation where they're out of the depth, they want to get back to the beach, but they're going the other way. 
they'll panic. And once your panic sets in, you lose your ability to stay afloat. Everything we teach is, is flotation is the key to survival, whether it's in the surf or any aquatic environment. And if people are then put in a situation where they're panicking, they're losing their, their ability to stay afloat. I spent a few years lifeguarding and it's, look, it's quite scary when people are in trouble, particularly the Asian people. They, they don't make a fuss and they drown without screaming, without even making attention. I suppose it's important to tell kids, Listen, if you are in trouble, make sure you let people know. Absolutely. Now, people are too proud, and uh, it's no good being proud and dead. So make noise. People say, uh, wavings, that person's waving, not not drowning. Yeah. Well, that's that's rubbish. People who are in the water who, who know, know when someone's in trouble. If you're waving and screaming, we're going to be able to find you. I think that's a really important tip for kids, for parents taking kids to the beach on holidays. If you're in trouble, you... You let us know. Oh, you thrash about. Yes, you've got to stay calm, but you want to attract attention. You know, someone's on the beach or, or whatever, and they're looking at the water, they'll find someone who's waving around and splashing around a little bit. But at, at the same time, that person who, who may not get help has to stay afloat. So we've got to, we've got to find a happy medium there. Is it a generalisation or rough rule, if you were to turn up most beaches, that generally against a set of rocks, there'll be deep water and a rip. What are some common denominators you can tell from most beaches in Australia? Yeah, well, that's right, Pete. You, you would know that, that um, every every point or, you know, every rock outcrop, there's going to be a rip next to that. So pretty well guarantee that there's going to be water running along the rocks uh, moving out. Typically, the, the northern and the southern sort of corners of beaches are a lot more stable, like the, um, the sandbanks are, are bigger and more stable. This is what we find. The middle of the beaches are a lot more hectic. There's there's holes, there's gutters, there's rips. A lot more unpredictability uh, in the middle of beaches. So, you know, you find your safe corners uh, is generally where they'll put the flags or where they put the surf clubs. So you find yourself in the middle of the beach with no surfers um, who do more rescues than anyone in the country. You're putting yourself at a massive risk. Well, that's not a bad tip. I mean, if you turn up to a beach which isn't patrolled, but you see some surfers, is that an indication, well, obviously the waves must be breaking because they're catching them. They themselves could render assistance, I suppose, in desperate situations. That's correct. So we say, look, if you are going to ever take a risk, and there's no surfers in the water, they're the one people who are going to be first to put you on the surfboard, maybe wait for more assistance, but they're the guys who are going to keep you afloat. They're not there, you're taking a bigger risk. Enormous risk. Yeah. What about difference between high tide and, and low tide? Well, that's a good one. I mean, it's, if you want to learn surf education, what we see on top of the water tells us what's underneath. So if you see a nice set of waves, you know there's a, a nice sandbag underneath. But unfortunately, at high tide, the waves don't break as much. The rips don't move as much. So it's, it's a lot harder to see. At the same time, those rips won't be moving as fast. So the velocity of the wave provides the velocity for the rips. So if you have no waves, you've got no rips. You've mm. got, you got a lot of water running in from the waves. You've got a lot of water moving back off the beach in the form of a rip. Is it fair to say, I mean, we, we might, we, let's drill down, let's, let's do it. Let's just drill down a little bit more on the, on the science, science of waves and, and of tidal differences. On a dropping tide where, with swell, so the, the way there is swell and the tide is running out, that's when it can become quite dangerous. Yeah, it's usually in the mid-tides. Beaches always change, so you can't look at a beach and say, look, this is safe, we're right here for the day. The wind's going to change, the, the swell direction's going to change, the tides. And so, you know, you've got times, like I said, high tide where the rips aren't running as high, but you're not out very far because the waves aren't breaking as far out. 
But then at low tide, the breaks will be the waves will be breaking a long way out, if there is waves, that is. And then your rips are starting to really, really move. Whenever you see a drowning, you'll see the news reports. There won't be big waves. There'll be small waves, but the rips are still running. So your tide's got to be lower as the rips are running. People don't drown in big surf because they don't go in. So they look at a small surf and say, oh, yeah, that's great for me. But they don't look at the rip. They don't look at the dangers to realise that they're still a potential drowning statistic if they're going in mm. without being prepared. Mm. What about then some basic techniques for parents to teach their children, my nine-year-old, for example, what would I be doing to encourage them and to teaching them to embrace the surf, to enjoy the surf, not to be scared of the surf? What are some of the, the things you would do? Well, I'd say firstly, getting back to the parents' responsibility, get off your phones, watch your children and enjoy your children because there are certain ways of getting surfboards and pushing them through waves and, and just learning some basic skills. So, you know, I had my kids out when they were nine months old and we were catching waves on the boards. People were saying, "This, you're, you're crazy, you know, but but it was it was fairly simple. So there's always foam surfboards that make it easy for parents to, to have a flotation device, have straps, and are able to teach the kids confidence, unless they go and get dumped. <laughs> then, then you, <laughs> you set them back a bit. You're back to scratch. <laughs> but just swim lessons are important, but having kids in the water develops their natural feel for the water and therefore the strength and ability to stay afloat, that sort of thing. So the more the kids are in the water, and that's what we've taken away from them in, in society these days. There's too much importance on screens and stuff like that. Being in the water means they're going to be in the water for life and and one of the things for me is I'll say to my kids, you'll, you'll be a successful swimmer when you're swimming at my age and enjoying it. What about the other, other end of the scale? We say great swimmers, great watermen, they, they feel the water. When Craig Reddington is feeling the water, when you're in the water and you're having a good day, because, I mean, even great athletes and great have, have, have good days and bad days. It's like the back of your hand. You, you know what's, what's going on. You, you know... It's peripheral vision type thing. You know what's around you. You'll know when you're on a wave, it's going to turn to the left or the right. So you, you'll you'll be prepared to, to move your body to the left or the right or keep your head down or, or get a catch a breath or whatever. It's just it's, it's timing. And just being in the surf all your life, that timing comes naturally. You know, when I got, uh, when I started racing, I was a little bit older, I lost a bit of the timing. And, you know, that split second can can cost you a wave, which can cost you a race. Yes, it's, it's, it's a natural uh, ability to, to feel the water and to be comfortable in the water. I think that's, that's really important. And I can't let one of the greatest body surfers Australia's ever produced go without. Give us some tips on body surfing, Craig. <laughs> come, and, <laughs> come and see me and learn. <laughs> no, no. Again, that's just timing. Can, you can miss a wave by just being a tenth of a second out. Or, or lifting your body weight. Your body weight's got to be right. Your, your body weight's got to be down on your hands. You know, you, you, I, I say out, to people... Hands out in front, head down sort yeah, of Yeah, I say to people, feel like your hands are a lead weight and, and your whole body's getting dragged by your hands. And that's the same with swimming. When you're swimming, your hands need to be heavy because your momentum carries you through that if your hands are heavy. So that's that's what I, what I say when people are body surfing, to be relaxed and have heavy hands. Try and feel heavy hands and, and follow your hands. Yeah. What about when, when, you, when you're teaching kids to body surf? Do, do their hands need to be held out in front of them, their heads down, kicking, keeping their feet up? Yeah, not so much kicking, being streamlined. Streamlined. Uh, we, we just get them on the beach and we get them to uh, stretch their body out. So And then, then I'll, I'll push the sand and I'll show if my hand's bent at all. 
that doesn't go through the sand. So I, I, I just relate that to being your body in the water. If your body's straight, it's going to go through the water. Don't kick and throw your arms around because that's then resistance. So the more you like a pencil, the more you're going to stay on the wave. Craig, what's the latest in treating bloody blue bottle stings? Well, I mean, every season it changes. Am I rubbing sand on it as I'm putting <laughs> ice on it and I'm putting heat on it? What, what am I doing this year? My tip is ice fixes everything. Yeah. Yep. Go for the ice. Whether you've got a sting or an itch or, <laughs> or a sore, whatever. And if it's a kid, yeah, give them an icy pole and a bit oh, of ice. Mate, yes. <laughs> I've had a bad experience with that. <laughs> What's that? Put a sock in their mouth. <laughs> As always, you can check out all the photos Craig is putting up on the ACAST app on how to read the surf. And don't forget to subscribe to Better Ideas and tell your friends about the series. This is Better Ideas. Now, coming up next week, I have the tiny designer princess back, Carolyn burns McCrave. She's back in the studio. This time, she's talking her own secret passion style. She's made it up herself. It's called, well, I'll tell you, it's called Golden Girl Chic. Yeah, I'm scratching my head a bit too. Golden Girl Chic, but only described as the tiny designer princess, Ken. That's next week. Now, if you're lucky enough to have a holiday home or you're inspiring to get a holiday family home, you might be sharing it with friends or extended family. This next chat with Angus Rain may help you keep the peace and create happy memories. I've got a family holiday home down at Dwerry Beach on the south coast, which is just south of Wollongong. It's my grandparents' house and it's still in the family. Now, Angus Rain's back with us now. Family holiday homes and looking after the mangus is, is one of the most contentious things we can do if you're sharing you're sharing a holiday home. We all want one, but most of us share these things with family members and friends, and there are some do's and don'ts to remember. Sure, Pete. So if you're lucky enough, like you are, to have a family holiday home, you must have rules of engagement with your siblings. It's an absolute must. Mm-hmm. Yep. So the first thing, some... Holiday periods such as the high season, be it Easter or Christmas, say, I'll use an example, if your sibling is single, then probably not a good idea for her or him to have it in the second week of January. So they should really give a, a bit of leeway for people with children to have it in those high seasons. Yeah, the that, That's one thing. And anyway, they'll probably want to go in February or after Easter anyway because it, it, it is, it's much quieter in those hot spots. Mm. That is an absolute must. I really think... Also, they have to be more flexible with the time. There's no excuse with technology. Have a family WhatsApp. Say, hey, guys, I'm going to Weary Beach this weekend. Is that okay with you? We're not encouraging people to go to Weary. Oh, oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, but if that's where, yeah, yeah, yeah. But wherever your holiday But it may be good be. because it'll, it'll increase your property prices <laughs> if, if I talk about it. <laughs> yeah. What else do we need to remember? Uh, well, really... Cleaning, you have to, you have to have a, a, a. I'm not saying a written agreement. It can be verbal if you don't want to be if you're an informal family. It doesn't have to be written. You really have to say, right, guys, we're going to have leave it very clean. You have clean linen, the whole nine yards. Why don't we all put in some money and get a cleaner, a cleaner from town to come in, so you don't have to have that burden of doing it. I reckon so, that's that can be the most contentious thing among family members because we have all have different tolerance levels of fingerprints left on cupboards exactly and that will minimize exactly your point pete is family squabbles it's hard enough to all get on let alone to have an extra level of complexity with you left a coffee mark on the coffee table for example 
God, I'm, I'm glad I'm talking to you. I feel so much better about my family now. <laughs> They're normal. And also, <laughs> oh yes. Uh, also, if you want to take it to the next level and be really organised, is why don't you have a sinking fund? So get all your siblings to put in a couple of hundred bucks every year, like pretending like it's a strata unit. You put it in a sinking fund, and that goes towards. This obviously builds up year after year, goes into a bank account, and that goes towards the common cleaning and or and or the maintenance of the property. Because mm. that, that's a big thing. And then that's a, one less level of a squabble when you say, guys, we've got five grand. We can recarpet it. And it's not might not be this year, but if you contribute every year, that, of course, builds and builds. I'll tell you the other thing you've got to remember, though. who Someone's really got to be in charge. Who's in charge of the, the, the insurances? Who's in charge of getting the, the gardens done when, when, when no one's there for periods of time? Because these things can lapse, and this, the last thing you need is, is a claim and all of a sudden insurance has lapsed. Well, the good thing about a sinking fund is you just go into WhatsApp, guys, we've got X amount in the sinking fund. I'll take care of the insurance. It's all online now. Mm-hmm. So, and, but if you've got that money sitting there and it's been there for a couple of years, you can just say, look, I'll do this and we'll get the local gardener in and do X, Y, Z. So if, if there's money in the bank account, that sort of it makes it, it turns the conversation into a yes instead of a no. We're getting into the, the realms of, of psychology, but I suppose someone changes something in the house, a different idea of decor. The curtains have been changed, let alone they've put on a, I don't know, a handrail that no one, or a tap or something. I mean, how do you navigate that sort of stuff? That's got to be a vote. I mean, you don't want to overplay it, but you all have to agree. On, on repairs and maintenance. Also, I should mention, if you don't want to go the sinking fund route, if you think, oh, they're our family, no, we all get on, da-da-da, you can still say, right, everyone, third week in May, we're all going down there for a working bee. And you yeah. all bond anyway. If you're lucky enough to have a brother-in-law or a sister-in-law who's handy, then they can do the X amount, they can do the handiwork, and everyone else just tidies everything else. Family bonds at the end. Now, Angus Rain. In theory, in theory. You, you must have a holiday house. Are you going to, you going to tell us where it is? Uh, yes. Well, I have, my parents have a holiday house, Terrigal, and my bugbear is my brother-in-law never, ever refills the gas bottle. But that's un-Australian. So those little things you, you pointed out earlier, Pete, those little things really get on people. Yeah. Nerves, yeah. Yeah, they, they do. So it's not only repairs and maintenance, it's just a basic courtesy refill the gas bottle. And Those also, courtesy, any breakages, if you've got lots of little kids running around, things are going to break. Just go and replace it. It could be a bowl, a window pane. Go and replace it. Now, do you turn the power off when you leave? No. no. You leave the power on all yes. the time up there. Yeah. So the, the house is pretty much in use sort of most weekends? Well, my parents use it a lot. Yes. Right. Yeah. Because, I mean, sometimes these holiday houses I know are left for months at a time and no one's attending if them. If your parents aren't around anymore, then that sort of has a can leave a power vacuum. So that's when you have to get, I think, a more formal structure. Right. Because the, the patriarch's gone or yes. the matriarch has yep. gone. That's And people think, oh, we'll be able to sort this out. And you get together, guys, we've got some great memories down here. We don't want to stuff this up. So why don't we get something, either formal or informal, at least agreement and understanding on do we want to keep it, one? And we uh, usually, yes, we do. And, well, these are the rules of engagement. Right. And do you leave the key under the mat? I'm not telling you that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I really enjoyed that chat with Angus Ray. Now, I've got a, a family holiday home I share with my brother and sister and extended family, and there's variably discussions about who left the fridge open and who hasn't swept the fireplace out. So worth important tips to keep in mind on keeping the peace and creating happy family memories, thanks to Angus. 
And also the, that important chat I had with, with Rido, Craig Reddington, on, on important tips on how to read the surf and stay safe. Be vigilant. By God, never ever take your eyes off, off young children around the ocean, even if the beach is patrolled. That's the main lesson, isn't it? Make sure you have your eyes on your kids if they are around open water, even closed water lakes and the ocean alike. Thanks to Craig Riddington. Now, this Friday night on Better Homes and Gardens, Jason Hodges has got you covered with what you're going to do this weekend. Now, it's just what you're going to do, he's broken the weekend down into time bits. And you can actually apply them to actually get stuff done. So that's this Friday night on Better Homes and Gardens. Check out Jason's segment on 7 at 7 Friday night. You've been listening to Better Ideas. Now, Loretta Farrell is my producer. Nikki Hamilton's the executive producer. And I'm your host, Pete Calhoun. This is a 7 West Media podcast.